Spirit was just a one-time event, that's great to celebrate, but what does it do for us? Instead, it's about what that did that continually happens on and so forth. But I want to look at one specific thing that the community did in response to that outpouring of the Ruach. It says in verse 42 of chapter 2 of the book of Acts, they continued faithfully in the teaching of the emissaries, in fellowship, in breaking bread, and in the prayers. Everyone was filled with awe, and many miracles and signs took place through the emissaries. All those trusting in Yeshua stayed together and had everything in common. In fact, they sold their property and possessions and distributed the proceeds to all who were in need, continuing faithfully and with singleness of purpose to meet in the temple courts daily and breaking bread in their several homes. They shared their food in joy and simplicity of heart, praising God and having the respect of all the people. And day after day, the Lord kept adding to them those who were being saved. This is a passage that most of us have heard many, many times. However, this short little passage is a lesson in community, and it includes details of priority. It gives us the definition of what a spiritual community is supposed to be. It says a spiritual community is continuing faithfully in instruction, the teaching of the emissaries, in fellowship, the breaking of bread, which is, means both fellowship in eating together, right? That's where in, a, in Jewish tradition, that's where fellowship really happens. You don't really build a relationship standing next to somebody in a service. You can, but what happens is afterwards, when you're schmoozing, when you're drinking coffee, when you're eating a bagel, right? That's when fellowship is really built. But it also means in the breaking of bread, a more formal purpose, the Eucharist when we take together the meal of Messiah. And it's interesting that it doesn't say in prayer. The Greek says, and in the prayers. What are the prayers? The liturgy, the daily services. So they were meeting together in order to pray the required services that we pray three times a day, shacharit, the morning service, mincha, the afternoon service, and ma'ariv. And it was in these times afterwards and before that they were in fellowship with one another. And there was also a key ingredient that held all of this together. And it says singleness of purpose. This phrase, whether you translate it singleness of purpose, singleness of heart in one accord, is regularly repeated throughout the first five chapters of Acts in reference to the early believers in Yeshua. Over and over again, it says, in singleness of heart, they did this, or in singleness of heart, they did that. The Greek of this word, homothimadon, literally means with one accord, or singleness of heart. These early believers were united by a single purpose and a single vision. They were also committed to one another, says they stayed together and had everything in common. And this wasn't just some kind of theoretical or a spiritual way. This was also formal. It says they sold their property and possessions and they pooled their resources. It also says they organized themselves. And one of the ways in which they organized themselves was in the distributing of proceeds to those who are in need. That's what it says right here. 
I used to think when it sold their positions that it meant they sold everything that they had. But later it says that they met in the, their homes. So they didn't sell their homes, right? But what they did is probably extra things that they could give of. They sold those things in order to pool their resources in order to have a community. That's what we do today. In order to have a community, we have to pool our resources. We do that through our tithes and offerings in order to have a place to meet and the things that we want to do and the things that we want to make a difference in. We often forget that it actually requires money to pay for this place and to pay for the people that we want to do all the stuff that we don't have time for, right? It says, as they did this, they were continuing faithfully and with singleness of purpose to meet in the temple courts daily. Where were they meeting? Still in the temple, right? This is the opposite of what most people think, right? Oh, like, you know, once they became to believe in Yeshua, they did away with all that stuff. That's not what it says. It says not only were they going to the temple daily, but then they were meeting together for the prayers, and it's in plural, the prayers, meaning the liturgy, the, the daily services, and breaking bread in their several homes, they shared their food in joy and simplicity of heart, praising God and having the respect of all the people. We've talked about before that James was known, the James the brother of Yeshua, as Yaakov Tzedek, or James the Just. And it says in Josephus in many places that he was respected by all of the people, regardless of whether or not they were believers in Yeshua, because they saw that this was a pious individual a very respected and learned, learned tzaddik. And that's what people perceived of these early believers. That these were people that whether you agreed or disagreed with them, they were people who lived what they believed. And that should inspire us today. And what was the response to the way in which they conducted their lives and organized themselves? It says, and day after day, the Lord kept adding to them those who were being saved. The response was they were growing. When done in joy and simplicity, simplicity here means in humility, their community's formation produced results, not only for themselves, but for many, many others. It says people were being fed. We see this spiritually by being saved, right? But also physically distributing the proceeds to those who were in need. You've heard before that you know, people aren't going to listen to you when they're starving, right? Unless you first meet people's needs, then they'll be more open to hear what you have to say. So there's a lesson in all of this for us. We've been speaking a lot about membership lately. And last week we had a meeting to begin the process of implementing it within our congregation. And again, I know everybody thinks this was from me. But this was actually a discussion that was happening on the board before I ever got here that was instituted originally. Kind of what raised that question was when uh, a couple of years ago we thought we would have to leave our building that we'd been in for 21 years. We thought that the management company was pushing us out. At the time that we have new managers, but at the time they were. And we didn't know where to go. And we, didn't have, we you know, clearly don't have the money. We don't have a, you know, a large building fund or anything. So we were looking at getting a loan, and one of the questions they asked when it comes to legal, who is going to be responsible for this money that we give you? 
they asked, do you have membership? And we said, no. Well, then who are we lending this money to? Who's going to stay? Who's responsible for making sure that this loan gets repaid? So that was only a little bit of kind of what led to a discussion about this. But then along the way, especially when I came uh, having experience in congregations with membership, and membership is something that you see in both synagogues and churches, right? There are different kinds of membership. In synagogues, it's based on dues. And, uh, but in churches, most churches have membership, and it's based on commitment. And that's what we mean by membership is it's a commitment. Nobody's going to be hunting you down to make sure you're paying dues. Instead, what we want to know is how invested are you in the life of this community? Because it's really your community. And how invested are we in you? So why are we talking about all of this? Because we believe it's biblical. And this passage from Acts 2 is only one example. The earliest believers were not only united spiritually in their faith in Yeshua, but because of that faith in Yeshua, they formally committed themselves to one another. It says that they were united with singleness of purpose. And they were organized. And a product of their organization included the distribution of tzedakah to those who were in need. Therefore, for many reasons that we don't have time to go into right now, the leadership of Beth Amunah has been wrestling with how to be more united and being more organized. And membership is a part of this. And the whole reason we are doing this is to, be, to better pursue our purpose as a spiritual community. As it says in Acts 2, to continue faithfully in the teaching of the emissaries, in fellowship, in breaking bread, and in the prayers. Unity and organization is not the purpose, but rather to serve the purpose. The reason why we do these things is to serve the purpose of the vision. That's what we will be discussing this afternoon in our foundations class. As a community, there are so many wonderful and inspiring things that we could pursue. However, every congregation has to wrestle with what its own unique gifts, purpose, and calling are. Because there are many different ways to pursue Yeshua. There's so many different ways to pursue the work of Yeshua. But what is it that not only we were called to be when we were founded, but when we continue to be? What is our singleness of purpose? I really want to encourage you that if you are part of this community and you view this as your primary home congregation, that if you're able to, to be here this afternoon, hopefully we'll record it uh, if possible, if somebody can't be here, but I really want you to, to encourage you to be here as we talk about this. And I want you to know that leading into this, this isn't about what I think we, yeah, well, actually part of it is what I think we should do. <laughs> That's what you pay me the big bucks for, right? To provide leadership and direction. But I view my responsibility to you and to this place to not just come in and do my own thing. I feel an incredible amount of responsibility, despite what you might think, to build on the foundation that was already laid. I don't think Beth Emunah needs a new foundation. It doesn't need a new vision. It doesn't need a new mission. We might have a better way of actually <laughs> condensing that down and explaining it, right? That's one of the things I, I don't think we always do very well is actually explaining what we're here for. 
but the foundation hasn't changed. I had lunch with Rabbi Murray this week. We get together occasionally, mostly just to <laughs> schmooze. But I specifically wanted to ask him about things. And I was hoping that he would actually be here today, but he wasn't able to. And so he's going to be coming soon to actually talk about why he built this synagogue. And the group of you that were a part of Beth Emunah when it started. As many of you know, Rabbi Murray grew up in a Jewish home, all that kind of stuff. But when he became a believer, there was no Messianic Judaism, so he became a pastor within the Foursquare denomination, which is wonderful. And that was great, and God used him. So why start Beth Emunah? Why start a Messianic synagogue? What was it that he felt he couldn't do within that particular context? If our purpose is just to be another type of church, which is great and wonderful, and that's amazing, but that's not what God called Beth Emunah to be. So as we have been wrestling with all of this, I wanted to talk more with Rabbi Murray and to really understand what his vision was and to understand where God is leading us to be. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today is why did God raise up this congregation? For the sake of time, that's not what we're doing now. I want to leave you hanging a little bit. So what is it? Where are we going? What are we doing? Some of it is not, come on, people. If you've been around here for a while, it's not going to be that surprising, right? But we are going to be discussing it and what that looks like and where we're going as a community and what is sort of required of us as we move forward so that we can really be of singleness of purpose, that we can be united on what it is that Beth is and is able to be. We all have our different understandings and maybe um, the way that we would sometimes explain things, but there needs to be a sense of unity that if each of us were asked, well, what is Beth Emunah, that we're able to just succinctly say, well, this is what it's about. It also means that you support what it's about. <laughs> and if after today, you're able to say, I'm not able to be in singleness of part purpose or singleness of heart, then maybe you have to ask whether this is the best place. Obviously, I want you to be here and make a commitment to what we're about. But it's okay if God is calling you elsewhere. I'm not trying to push you away, but I want you to understand. The reason why they were able to accomplish things is because they were united in purpose. If you are not united with the purpose, then we cannot accomplish anything. Do you understand? Where there is a lack of vision, people perish. If all we want to do is show up on Shabbat and pat each other on the back and tell each other how wonderful we are, that's wonderful. <laughs> we all like to hear, man, you're wonderful. I love seeing you. You are the most holy, awesome face I love to see every Shabbos. But what are we accomplishing apart from just patting each other on the back? I don't know about you, but I'm so motivated by the fact that we are in a world that needs more light that needs more Mashiach, that needs to be reaching and growing. And when I say growing, it's not about the size of this place. I was kind of struck today by, as I was really kind of, I wasn't feeling the sermon that I was, you know, wrote down in the bulletin that I was supposed to do. And as I was reading through the opening chapters of Acts, kind of even building greater context for what I wanted to talk about today, it said that 
When they first gathered, I think it's only 124 individuals made up formally. I don't mean this was, there were only this many disciples. There were lots of disciples scattered all around Judea. But within Jerusalem, the formalized community, I think it says, was 124 or 125 people. I'll tell you for sure, and so I'm not telling you the wrong. It's 120. So 120 people. And think about what they did. And did all of those people formally join their little group? No. But they weren't building the kingdom. I mean, they weren't building their own community. They were building the kingdom. And over time, lots of congregations were planted. And people were empowered and people were sent out so that it went not only, as Yeshua said, Judea, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. If they would have only just stuck to Jerusalem, that would have been pretty cool. But the vision was bigger than just a city. And if they had just stuck to Judea, that's awesome for us Jews, but what about everybody else? Then to Samaria, the people who are, eh, they're close to being Jewish, right? <laughs> so let's embrace them. But no, Yeshua said, this message isn't just for you. It's not just for them. This message has to go to the uttermost parts of the earth, and I'm going to use you to do it. Are you getting the ruach, hopefully giving you a little bit of a, a nudge? God is calling us to reach Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth in the way that he has called us to be and to do and to serve. Avinu Malkinu, our father and our king. I pray that you would burn within us a fire and a passion for you, for others to serve the needs of the kingdom and not of ourselves. That we would be willing to make the kinds of sacrifices that the early believers did in order to see great things accomplished. That when people talk about Bethemunah or the people from Bethemunah, that we would hear even more stories, continuing stories about that's a place where I was loved on. That's a place where I was healed. That's a place that I was set free. That through the work of that place, I was hungry and you fed me. I needed clothing and you clothed me. I was lost and I was found. I was in prison and somebody visited me. There's so many things we're not yet doing, people. <laughs> There's so much more of the kingdom that needs to be done. The harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. So our job is to raise up more workers. And if in the process we have a good time and we're blessed and we pat each other on the back, hoorah. But that's not why we do what we do. We do what we do because God called us to, pre to change the world, to prepare the world for the return of Messiah. And unfortunately... Rather than changing the world, most of us have let the world change us. We've settled for things that we thought are of God or people label of God, but it's not really the kingdom. 
It's time to pursue the things of the kingdom. Work in us and through us to continue being the people you have called us to be, the community you've called us to be. So that we can be better husbands, better wives, better parents, better friends, better employees, better doctors, better lawyers, better mechanics, better veterinarians, better arborists. Whatever you're doing, Scripture says do it for the sake of the kingdom because it's not about you, it's about him. Because many of us have not realized we can actually have a bigger impact in the world around us in our workplace than somebody who's quote-unquote professional clergy. How great thou art. How magnified and sanctified be your great name. May you increase and the things that are not of you within us decrease so that we can serve the living God. We pray all of this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Please rise so we can sort of seal the work that God is doing within us. Not seal it as though this is the end, but that we would understand that we have a responsibility to respond to the work of God within us. That we have a responsibility to listen to the nudging of the Ruach. We're called to be holy, which is not some mystical, ethereal feeling. It's a being set apart through actions and choices to not only be a people that are set apart, but to make the world more holy than we found it. Don't hako let it gerula leo se breshit. Sheloa sanu kigoyeha aratsot. Velo samanu kimishpahota adaman. Shelo sam helkenu kahem. Vegora lenu kehol hamonam. Ver nachnu kolin. Umishtachavim lumodim Livne melech malechei hamlachim Hakadosh baruchu Therefore, God also highly exalted Messiah and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name belonging to Yeshua, every knee should bend 
in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Yeshua the Messiah is Adonai, to the glory of God the Father. And on that day, the Lord shall be one, and his name shall be one. Amen. I now want to invite those who are in mourning, those observing a yard site, to remain standing for the words of the mourner's Scottish. It was very powerful and wonderful to be at the memorial service for Corey's brother yesterday. And, and uh, hearing the stories about her brother Michael were very inspiring to me to be a better person, to be a better husband, to be a better rabbi. May God, you inspire us through the memories of all of our loved ones who no longer walk this earth, but may their, the best of who they were, be an inspiration to us. Together, yitgadal v'yitgadash shemei rabah, b'almad tivrach yirutei v'yamlich machutei, v'yitzmach purkanei v'yikarem shichei, v'chayachon v'yomeichon uv'chayei d'chol beit Yisrael, Ba'agalau vizman kariv v'imru. Amen. Yehesh me'raba mevorach le'olam ulalmei almaya. Yit barach v'yishtabach v'yit pa'ar v'yit romam v'yit nasei. V'yit hadal v'yit alei v'yit halal shmei d'kudusha b'richu. Le'ela minko b'yachata v'shirata. Tushpechata v'nechemata. D'amiran be'alma v'imru. Amen. Yehesh lama rabamin shamaya, v'chayim alenu v'alko Yisrael v'imru. Amen. Ose shalom b'mramav, hu ya'ase shalom, alenu v'alko Yisrael v'imru. Amen. May he who makes peace in the heavenly realms make peace for all of us, for all of Israel and all the nations of the world, and let us say, Amen. Are these slides not in there again this week? I just wrote a note to hopefully <laughs> remind myself to. All right, so you may be seated um, for some quick announcements. So if you have your bulletin, go ahead and pull those out so you can follow along. Lot, there's always great stuff happening around here. Um, so Barbara, why don't you share with us lots that's going on? Okay, thank you, Rabbi. So Brandon, what slides do we have for the folks today? All right, so we just heard an excellent sermon by a rabbi that's yes <laughs> yes that is a preview to the meeting this afternoon and and we really want to encourage everyone to be here as rabbi said because it's not just for new members it's for all of us who have been around for a long time as well so that we can have that singleness of mind and purpose so um, Rabbi Josh was going to get really clear this afternoon on what that means and what that looks like. So I think that'll be beneficial for everyone to be here this afternoon. So grab your lunch at the Oneg and take your seats and 
We'll be starting, what, we're actually ending a little early today. What time do you think we'll start the meeting? Around 1.30, 1.15? 1.15-ish. Okay, 1.20, something like, right around there. Okay. All right. Um, we have three Torah Club classes going on. There's information in your bulletin. We've got a men's and women's groups meeting on Wednesday evenings and a women's group on Thursday afternoons. So look in your bulletin for more information about that. And tomorrow is the Celebrate Israel Festival. So it's supposed to be rainy in the morning, but it doesn't start till noon. So it should be pretty decent in the afternoon. And it's always a wonderful celebration. Um, do we have the, I'm not sure if we have the address in here. The website's on here. So if you want more specifics, go to the website. Rancho Park in Cheviot Hills. Yeah, West LA area. Um, and there's always wonderful food and music and a little marketplace and all kinds of fun things and lots of dancing. Yeah, so it should be a wonderful afternoon. And they are going to have professional security and LAPD if anyone has concerns about that. So just want to let you know and it should be a wonderful event. And on the first Shabbat of the month, our women's Bible study continues, although men are welcome this time too. So we're actually going to have it here in the sanctuary and we will be studying the story of Ruth as we lead up to Shavuot. So that ties right in with that theme. So that'll be June 1st at 1.30 after the Shabbat service. And what else? Also that same day, later that day, if you want to drive out to San Dimas later that afternoon, is the annual Arab Christian Messianic Jewish Fellowship. This has been going on for quite a few years. It's a unique experience to get together with other people who are Arabs and Christian as well as Messianic Jews from other places in Southern California. So I encourage you to attend that if you can. It's always a, a worthwhile and interesting event. And Shavuot is coming up. That is our next significant holiday that we're going to be um, celebrating and observing here. That will be on Sunday, June 9th. We will have our regular Shabbat service on, on Saturday, on Shabbat, on June 8th, and a special Shavuot service on Sunday, June 9th at 11. And that is always an amazing time to um, celebrate the, the receiving of the Torah and the outpouring of, of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, um, as well as renewing our faith in Messiah. So we encourage all of you to attend that. We're going to have a potluck, oneg, and a special study that Rabbi Joshua will be doing that afternoon. So it's going to be a very special and wonderful Shavuot celebration that day. We hope you can all join us for that. And our Operation Graduation, our Helping Hands Ministry, has been helping some high school students. And um, Karen, I see, yeah, do you want to come up and say a few words about that? And by the way, um, in the email blast that we received this week from Beth Amunah, Hopefully you all saw the letter that was at the bottom of that from one of these young high school girls who was just so inspired and encouraged by the Helping Hands Ministry. So I hope you read that letter. It was very touching. So, Karen. 
I don't really have to add anything to that one, but I just wanted to let you know that there was something really encouraging happening because uh, the, the letter came in and I was able to respond to the letter, which usually doesn't happen. We don't have contact with those people really. And um, I was writing it with a, a pen and while I was giving it to the counselor, I s uh, she looked at the pen I go like, well, it is, uh, you know, it has scripture on it. I can't really give it to you. And um, but when we left, she asked for the pen. She was going to give it to him. But it's a it's a special pen that when you they has a pull out, and on the pull out is the whole um, way of how to know Messiah and everything else. And so it's really great. And so I just want to ask for prayer because I thought that was such a great opportunity just to pray that he will pull it out read it and you know know who messiah is it's it's very unique and and i thought that was that was encouraging and i just want you to pray for that okay so operation graduation um was a unique thing that um happens at my uh, daughter's uh, high school and I, I started it and we are helping five specific uh, kids that are in a foster system but they turned 18 so they are homeless actually and they try to just live with their friends or in their car and they have specific needs and we have been trying to match whoever wants to give something with what they need and um, uh, we did one thing for one boy uh, and that's what the letter is about that we bought the cap and gown for because um, he he that's actually a boy and um, he didn't you know he didn't see any um, point in graduating because he doesn't have anybody that sees him walk down you know for the graduation he can't afford the gown but um, it all turned around and now he's graduating with the gown and that's <laughs> what the letter is all about. But it's just, uh, you know, we, we can really make a difference in those um, people's lives. I mean, the sack lunches and stuff we do, I'm sure, you know, it has scripture on it too. They see it. We, we just don't see the immediate effect of what we are doing and what you were saying that we need to be a light and it comes in different forms. Obviously, I can't, you know, go with the Torah into the high school, so we have to find creative ways to do that. So, um. And thank you, Karen, and, and everyone who's been supporting the Helping Hands ministry. It truly is a blessing, and, and the Lord is, is in it and is blessing it. And um, speaking of our Helping Hands ministry, it looks like there's some fruit and things on the back table that people can help themselves to. So that's free. Bring in your shopping bags, fill them up, and take some of that home with you this afternoon. And I, oh, and the um, UMJC conference is coming up July 17th through 20th. So we encourage all of you to attend. We actually will not even be meeting here that Shabbat. We will be attending the Shabbat service at Woodland Hills at the Marriott that day. The Shabbat service is free and open to everyone, but we encourage you to register for the conference because there's going to be wonderful teaching and worship and fun celebrations, and it's just gonna be an amazing event. So if you haven't already gone on the UMGC website and signed up for the conference, please do that. Corey, you wanted to add a word about that? Yes, yes. So our, our Beth Emunah worship team will be leading 
worship at the Saturday morning Shabbat Torah service. So, yeah, another reason to be there. All right. And I think that's it. Can I just add one thing? Absolutely. Is that the reason why it's so important to take the opportunity to go to the conferences, it's easy to think that, oh, well, I, you know, I'm a part of our little community, and so I know what Messianic Judaism is all about. Instead of really understanding that we're just one little piece of a, of a much larger puzzle, right? And to see an experience of what's happening not only across our own country, but to hear from those who are even coming from other countries, from Israel and other places, about what God is doing through Messianic Judaism in other places. And so it's very exciting. Um, and as Barbara said, the morning service is free, but to attend all the other workshops and all that kind of stuff, which also registration includes certain meals for Shabbat dinner and stuff like that. So definitely want to encourage you to, to go to that. All right. Especially since it's the reason why we're not going to have a service, it's just right up the hill, right? So, all right. So I think we're ready to close our service. So please rise for our closing benediction. Monique, you want to join me up here? From our family to all of you, can you hear May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and fill you and us in this world with peace. In the name of Yeshua. Amen. All right. Well, Shabbat Shalom. This officially concludes our service, but we invite you to stick around for Oneg and Kiddush and Hamotzi. Thank you.